eat your meat. <laughs> Welcome to what we're affectionately calling season two of TerraVision. Uh, affectionately because we didn't exactly plan it. It just sort of is because we haven't recorded in a while. I'm Ben Hansen. Brad Pearson in New York City. This is Toby Jones in Los Angeles, California. City of Angels. Oh uh, yeah, this is Alex Farben as far as North Dakota. I just, yeah, we are across the entire United States. This is, I, it's not a profound, I guess, interesting. We are over. I, I'm I'm broadcasting from Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, a small burb called St. Anthony. If anyone's interested, which they aren't, uh, and today we are discussing a <clears throat> not terribly discussed film called Parents from uh, 1989, starring Randy Quaid and uh, really nobody else. Uh, it is a I think a little bit of a gem of a movie. Um, well, so uh, horror, why don't you take a thwack at uh, at giving us a summary here? Why well, don't we're okay with doing spoilers, right? Because oh yeah, we got it. Okay. Yeah, oh, well, basically, it's it's when I read about it initially, they said it was a uh, like a dark comedy, but the whole time watching this, I go, I don't know where the co- like this wasn't a comedy to me. Uh, I mean, there were some funny parts in this, but the movie really isn't a comedy at all. Uh, it's about a, a kid who's who's disturbed by his his parents, specifically his father, um, about all his meat that they keep sort of eating. Uh, but there's a bunch of other small things that show that he's also a disturbed kid himself. Um, and I guess, the, uh, not really much of a spoiler, I guess, but we already screwed that. Uh, they're eating people. And it's like this really sick, disgusting uh, eating, but it, it's combined with this sort of uh, really realistic parental abuse combined with cannibalism. And so, uh, you know, there's really funny moments in it with, like, uh, old-timey music and it's sort of set in the 50s, it's leaving to be for and thing, but um, there's funny parts in it, but it's really, it's, I don't know why people call it a comedy. I felt the exact same way, and when I was looking up the movie, uh, there's a lot of reviews that just have absolutely, when it was initially released, they have no idea what to compare it to. There's a few, a few of them that compare it to Eating Raul, which, I mean, they're both about cannibalism, but just they're not the same tone at all. Not um, close. Yeah, that was Roger Ebert's main uh, comparison point in his review. Uh, I mean, it's like, it'd be like comparing The Big Lebowski with L.A. Confidential for mystery stories set in L.A. It's just like they're just separate, entirely separate entities. Uh, yeah. I, I, but yeah, I agree with horror. It just feels like a straight horror movie. It doesn't even feel uh, like a horror movie to me. Uh, to me, it feels like a coming-of-age movie. Uh, just, just because it doesn't go far enough into the horror or far enough into the comedy, it's really just about this kid and his world. It's a movie all about childhood and, like, all the things that are occurring. Like, yeah, the parents are cannibals, but what that means to me is just that feeling of alienation you have when you're a kid and your parents don't make any sense. I guess I could see that. I mean, because I think that the, the, the entire uh, plot there about the parents being cannibals is really just more or less a device for uh, more of a social satire piece on the 1950s. The fact that it's set in this, like, squeaky, clean... Uh, conservative leave it to beaver era um and that it was made 
in the Reagan years. Um, it's it, it has, you know, to me, uh, a very, like, early Tim Burton, John Waters kind of feeling where it is a horror movie, but it is um, more kind of playful and lighthearted. And to me, yeah, it, it, it never really felt much like a horror movie. It felt like it kind of was trying to go in that direction, but it felt, you know... To me, it, off, it occupied that weird nether region that, like, um, a film like uh, Evil Dead 2 or, uh, like, a David Lynch film. I disagree. Lynch, Lynch is the closest comparison I can think of, actually. I get the Lynch thing, but when you when you compare it to something like Evil Dead, uh, Evil Dead, I see as much more of it as, as, you know, there's a lot of comedy with, you know, these horror elements that are really fun. In this movie, through a large portion of it, I was really disturbed. In the way that everything that the way he was talking to his kid, uh, the way that the kid was like really scared of his friends, the cannibalism aside, just the way he treated him, uh, the way he was you know you know coming down on him. Uh, I mean, there was really funny elements in it. I see the coming of age stuff, uh, you know, the, the sexuality thing with with the the taller the taller uh, girlfriend who I love as a made her taller, amazing. But yeah, that is a large portion of it. I was I was really disturbed at how, how the parents were treating him. So I, I got the feeling of there's certain you know those comedy elements, but they're just sort of offset by all this like this child neglect and abuse. Well, I, I was really I was uh, in a state of suspense the whole for, for a large portion of the movie, which is why I go with the, a suspense horror genre for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, with coming of age stuff and, and comedies have been it, but the most part you know I was really suspenseful, just sort of you know what's going to happen next. It's, it's a delightful like jambalaya of genres. I like to uh, quickly play a little uh, uh, clip uh, from the dinner table. Michael, my little girl is cool today. Oh, really? Is she pretty? She's an alien. Fourth? She's on the moon. She's on the moon. We can't make friends by telling lies, Michael. Can you tell us something truthful about this little girl, Mike? Talk to Carson or Mickey Gibson. That's enough. Eat your meat. So the whole time that that's happening, there's this horrible swirly pattern, which I'm pretty sure is not in any. The aesthetic of the movie is brilliant, but there's uh, there's probably not in any 1950s home, which just looks like one of those machines that measures your heart rate when you're uh, having a heart attack. And the camera is constantly swirling around the table, making you feel as claustrophobic as humanly possible. And the uh, little kid is just mumbling his way through, and I, I love it. They give the kid an actual personality. He's not just a blank slate for these things to happen to. He is he's a strange kind of outsider kid outside of his parents being these creepy uh, cannibals, borderline, you know, kind of kind of seems like they're referencing like the supposed underground Satan worshiping of suburbia in the 1950s. And, uh, yeah, I uh, agree with Horb completely. Like, all the stuff with Randy Quaid talking to his kid like that, uh, I at no point got any humor of pretty much any of the movie except for the child psychiatrist at the school. Uh, I was genuinely terrified the whole time. And, like, all the uh, all the close-ups of meat and how, like, ambiguous all the pieces of meat look and how um, just how creepy and, like, uh, every camera angle is taken from the kid's perspective. So Randy Quaid is always leering over him. And it should be noted... Uh, Randy Quaid's best uh, performance outside of the last detail. There's nothing even close. Like outside of National oh, Lampoon's yeah. Christmas Vacation. Outside of National <laughs> Lampoon's Christmas Vacation to Cousin Eddie's Vegas Vacation. <laughs> Christmas Vacation Part Two. Vegas Vacation. No, no, no. There's an actual straight-to-video 
Christmas Vacation 2 called Cousin Eddie's Island Adventure, which is just starring Randy Quaid. What? <laughs> oh. He got kicked out of Canada, oh, no. he? This sordid career of Randy Quaid. Yeah. Yeah, no, he is brilliant in this movie, and he is terrifying. He's uh, he's incredibly just abusive, and not only they don't really go much into like physical abuse; they more hint at that. But it's just the way he psychologically abuses his kid has this power thing, and just kind of vaguely threatens him, and just sort of slowly creeps on him the whole time. It's great. It's very it's like, believable. Yeah, I find it incredibly relatable. I'm like, that's not what my parents were like. But, like, when I go to friends' houses when I was a young kid, sometimes their parents would act in a certain way that really re- reminded me of that. Like, you know, parents are always nice, but, like, when you're visiting and, like, sometimes if the kid does something that bothers them, they'll, they'll kind of show this side of, like, I really don't want to see what these people are like when I'm not visiting, you know? Um, it's the way it, he's, he's toying with him in the way that, like a really sadistic person would toy with like a, a, a kitten or something. It's just, he knows he has absolute power over this, this small impish creature. And he's just kind of just fucking with him the whole time. And he doesn't yeah, have he doesn't... angry with him. I like the line that really started, uh, stuck out with me the most is when he's putting the kid to bed and he's like, you're scaring him. Am I? Am I? Oh, well, mister, you scare me, too. You don't look like me. You don't act like me. You hate me. Well, you know what? I'm not so crazy about you, either. Like, he talks about, like, he hates the kid. It's great. It's really great. Let's, for a minute, though, discuss the incredibly creepy sex scene. Uh, So, basically, the kid... the fact that Randy Quaid is in it at all. Right. That's well, I mean, it, it, to me, yeah, A, it's Randy Quaid, and he's he's creepy enough, and B, like, 1950s Cold War setting. Um, I feel like in that era, sex could only be creepy because it was so socially repressed that it had to just be, like, on a weird tarp in the middle of the living room the way they were mm-hmm. doing it. Uh, also with, relatable. With bloody meat mm-hmm. and guts everywhere. It's, uh, and it's perfectly taken from the kid's perspective because it's totally relatable, because you don't know what sex is, and it's kind of creepy, and it's kind of terrifying, and you hope to God there's no way that your parents are having it. And so he comes out, I'm sure not fully understanding what sex is, and there's this horrible, like, meat, bloody meat slop, because apparently they get off on eating raw meat while also boning. The movie's actually very restrained, despite its subject matter, despite, despite being a movie about 1950s suburban cannibals uh, terrorizing their kid and having, like, literal, like, human legs on a meat hook in the basement. Uh, the movie's very restrained. There's never, um... I like to get into the ending a little bit more later, but, like, there is there is no, like, overall moment where, like, they reveal a big uh, meat-eating conspiracy. They don't even, they don't even like, uh, do what I was talking about with the Satan worshippers. They're not connected to anything. It is entire... The, the whole movie is entirely in the kid's head, and uh, that seems yeah, to be thing from his mind. It's just totally amb- ambiguous, and they don't feel the need to answer that too much until the last ten minutes. But It doesn't really um, conk you over the head with any exposition or any, like, you know, blood and gore or imagery or anything, really. It, 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 you know, it finds its power in being, like, suspenseful, which is, I guess, maybe what I would classify it as possibly is 
suspense, uh, thriller sort of thing. But yeah. I don't know. The word thriller just irks me so much because most thrillers are so bad at being uh, suspenseful and restrained like this one. And it's got a lot of great surreal, not even surreal, just really creepy nightmare imagery, which it does a really good job of blending in with oh, real yeah. life. And the so, nightmares are great. The, the, the part with the hand in the garbage disposal, oof. I think, was probably my favorite. Um, just this hand. There's just this scene. He walks up to the sink, and there's this hand just flopping around in a garbage disposal, just sticking out like like uh, yeah. like the thing from yeah. Adam's Family and just like kind of flopping around. And such a simple effect. There's no music or anything over it. It's just this hand kind of making this sound like... And it's just kind of... Sit, it's just this great sort of stark image. And yeah, I love that. That was great. And, it's and the jumping into the bed. With, yeah, with it blood. turns to a pool Oof. of blood. Brilliant. And I, the movie really gets into the head of a kid because, I mean, like that, even that hand effect... Every little kid got told that you don't have to put your hand near the disposal or near the mixer because it'll get it'll get cut right off. And you had horrible images of your hand getting shredded to death. I mean, the movie does the dark side of being a kid very well without ever being artificial or adding too much to it. It's uh, that's and true, that, yeah. and it never does the it never does the super annoying like creepy kid thing. You know, it never does the like I don't know scrawling writing on the wall, come play with me kind of thing like. They're ne- he's, never, he's never a creepy kid, yeah. He's never like a stupid horror movie creepy kid. And he's relatively smart, too. When the, the, movie's, the movie's taunt enough, I mean, the movie is uh, 81 minutes runtime. The end credits start playing at the 75-minute mark. So you've got a really tight movie mm. that doesn't allow, doesn't allow a lot of room for uh, just any kind of sloppiness, any kind of big exposition scene. And like they never, and like with stuff like the sausages in the closet and a few other things, they don't, they never uh, bother to tell you what stuff was in his head and what stuff wasn't. I was going to ask you guys, what do you think about uh, the last ten minutes of the movie? It's, it's, I'd say it's probably my least favorite part. I don't know quite what I would do with it. My, my two cents answering my own question is that you know once they they fully confirm that they are cannibals, there's the movie doesn't really have anywhere to go, and so it kind of becomes pretty basic. Horror movie violence, not like not bad, but not uh, I guess not what I would like to have seen. What, what did you guys get out of it, uh, Toby? I feel the same way. I I don't like how conventional it feels as a resolution after the film is so unconventional the whole way. Yeah, uh, it's disappointing. It doesn't kill the movie by any stretch. The movie's still great, but it's like I do wish that the ending could have been something else. That's true. Like it once it's sort of reveals the whole thing, blows its wad on all of that. There isn't really anywhere for it to go. It resorts to a lot of, like, kind of conventionalities, if that's a word. Uh, a lot of, just a lot of conventions. A running escape and uh, the, I don't know. And the people who can't die, who no matter, they have to get stabbed several times and fall down several stairs in order to actually die. Starts yeah. happening. A little bit of that. Well, you know, it, it did, it had, it had probably been, it did turn into that, but I... I gotta give it a props because I was worried it was really um, damping the edge of let's let's make it so it's all up all in the kid's head. And I was worried it was gonna be the twist ending like that, like oh the kid was really deserved of making this stuff up. And they went, no no no, his parents really are cannibals. He's really disturbed, and this is a really creepy thing that's happened. Again, it turns into the you know he gets stabbed and he runs, and it could have been better. The problem is I don't know how. Like I say that, but I I couldn't give them I couldn't pitch an ending that would that would fit with the theme of that. But they, they didn't they didn't do the oh aren't we clever here's a here's a big twist ending 
if yeah. no, we're still, this is so creepy. You didn't waste your time with this movie. Oh, I had a, another problem I had was there's, uh, I, it is really giving it away, but I, again, we're, we're pretty, we're pretty spoil We're pretty, uh, heavy on spoilers here. Uh, so yeah, Randy Quaid gets stabbed by the mom and I just, I don't think there's anything really building up to her doing that. They seem like a very lockstep couple. To the point where it's almost absurd they have this kid who's so far outside of the world because they, they exist so much in each other's own worlds. Uh, and I just thought it was kind of cheap. Just kind of a cheap way of just kind of offing both of them so they could have... The button ending's good. It's not great. It's not super creepy, but it's it's good. Good enough. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you about that. There's a, there's a couple scenes of her saying you shouldn't be so mean to him, but overall I wouldn't really think like that. But, but uh, the ending well, ending, the credits? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Oh, what a nice refresh! Oh my god, it's just like oh, here we go. Yep. No, the, the movie uh, mm. it's very bold. It's very daring. Ah, uh, another thing I noticed was that the kids act like real kids and they talk like them. There's a there's a great scene where he's talking to the uh, next door neighbor or the, his boss's daughter, uh, who's about his age. Uh, I think she's in the same class, but she says, "Yeah, you don't know what your dad really does. They, he could be in jail, and they just let him out to go have dinner every night." Because that's the kind of things that kids dream up. That you know they have a limited scope of what could be happening, but this is, you know, in their minds, there's a jail out there that exists that throws you back in it, um, or lets you out to have dinner with you, because he might just be some creeper in jail, uh, and then they operate off that kind of logic, and, like, just, like, getting in the freezer and, like, throwing a wine ball, like, pouring wine on each other for, like, no real reason, she's much more, um, rambunctious and daring than he is and it's the only it's the, it, it, I'm glad she exists even though she gets dropped entirely because it's the only time he's allowed to have fun and kind of escape the oppression of his parents and when he looks up her skirt that's I love that scene so much when she's sitting in the tree talking up and he, he's talking but then he clearly gets struck not in, an overly oh he's a huge perv or whatever it's just sort of like he's a kid he's interested in looking up a girl's skirt and that was it that's all they needed just a little bit of I guess the coming of age sort of thing to feel there it's just you yeah. Few films for me have evoked. It's kind of weird to say this because none of it happened to me, but like for me, it evokes the feeling of childhood better than almost any other film I've seen. Uh, it's done through a lens of like this surreal uh, mindset that he has, or just the mindset, this the surreal surreality of the film. But to me, that like that is kind of what it feels like. It is, yeah. Um... There is this weird unreality of being a kid and especially since like, you know, we view these movies as adults and everything from our childhood is just these kind of fuzzy memories now. And so it's even weirder to us that we were that person and that we had those thoughts in our heads. So it's almost this kind of uh, this drugged state of, of just kind of like foggy memory. Um, and just being sort of a weird person to begin with when you're a kid. And it, yeah, I think it does capture it really well. Because a lot of movies um, that are about childhood try to capture it in this really uh, whimsical way. And this really kind of, you know, uh, affectionate, magical, like isn't being a kid so nice kind of way. Um, it's like really romantic. And this movie... Is more just like, no, remember when it was really kind of weird and creepy to be a kid? I got, I got that too. The uh, reverse nostalgia. Where I remember being kind of like, oh, like uh, there's all these things like, oh yeah, wasn't that kid great when you could stay up late and everything was great? It's like the, oh yeah, remember when you were a kid and, and you got scared because you thought your parents might be waiting in your room because you, you did something you weren't supposed to do? It's like, oh yeah, I'm glad I don't have to do that anymore. 
That was really creepy. Yeah, totally. Well, let's talk about the fact for a second that Bob Balaban directed this movie, who's the more I learn about him, the more I like him. And then, you know, he, he, he said it in the 1950s um, because that's when he would have grown up and um, he would have been that age at that time. And so, like, I, you know, I know he didn't write the film, but it, it, it feels like a very generational movie to me. He seems to be talking about that era in his childhood in a very different way than most people, you know, uh, in Hollywood want to look at it. Yeah. It, it, and the cannibalism really could represent kind of anything that kind of gave it a horror, like some, they basically just said, we need some horror movie, something we'll go with cannibalism. Cause you can't talk about that. It'll be the one thing revolve around. And it can be the, everything that your childhood fears revolve around, which are even more absurd because there is no cannibalism or hopefully it wasn't when you were a kid, but like the scene where he goes downstairs to the basement and he's checking everything out because he's got to check everything out and he finds just a straight up leg on a meat hook. But, uh, and he comes upstairs and his, he turns on the light and his dad is sitting there on the bed. And it's just like, there's no kid that can't relate to some variation on that. Like, you know, you went, you, you found dad's porn mag in the basement or something and you see him later and you're like, ah, I can't, oh God, what do I yeah. do? <laughs> Well, and, and I know we're talking about, like, giving away a lot of spoilers, but um, really the movie doesn't make a whole lot of an effort to conceal anything. It pretty much plays it right up front. Like, this movie is kind of weird. His parents are cannibals. Um, he may or may not be crazy. Like, it's, it, it sets it up really fast, which is, you know, kind of a product of, like, how fast the movie is itself. Let's uh, but um, let, let's talk about the director uh, for a little bit. He is this. Uh, if you if you guys look him up on IMDb, he is you'll recognize him immediately. He's part of the Christopher Guest troupe. He's in The Mighty Wind and For Your Consideration and Waiting for Guffman and Best in Show. Um, yeah, he he's a Rick Moranis type actor. He's much more. He's famous. always the nebbish, stuttering type. Yeah, and he he directs. This is his first movie. He goes on to direct the uh, uh, the famous you know the classics. Uh, My boyfriend's back. And The Last Good Time, both of which no one has ever seen or heard of. No one's ever seen or heard of this movie, unfortunately. It's got cold. But. And he goes, on, uh, he goes on to direct a lot of television, including, but not limited to, episodes of Strangers with Candy, Oz, and uh, Nurse Jackie on Showtime, starring uh, Camilla Soprano. Hmm. It's like um, a completely separate thing he's doing in Hollywood from his acting stuff. Just like, also do some directing just of, of stuff. I mean, it's we'll probably said it exactly like that, too. I'll, you know, who gave him money? Who said, I'm a first-time director. <laughs> Give me a couple million dollars so I'll make this movie that is focused on a kid, but it's not a kid's thing. And it's about his parents who are cannibals. But it's not really funny, but it's also not shocking. I mean, you know, I can see where this type of movie... Also, also, uh, studio. I'm gonna cast Randy Quaid. You know, cousin Eddie from Vacation. I'm gonna have him be the creepy dad. So he's just gonna do it straight. Is that all right? I can see how this movie maybe had some sort of a target audience in mind because it does kind of um, feel a bit like Pee Wee's Big Adventure. It has that kind of quasi creepy, quasi cute fifties uh, sort of quality to it. It, it does from from a money growing studio exec's perspective. I am still confused just because of the 
stark contrast that they see in dollar signs between PG and R. I mean, yeah, I, I get the the movie. Uh, its budget, according to IMDb, what was, was the rating of this movie, by the way? Oh, it was R. It was R. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's R. Um, you got uh, so it, was, it had three million dollar budget. It made less than a million dollars at the box office, eight hundred seventy thousand. Uh, so very unseen. The VHS and the DVD were both pretty rare to my knowledge. I think they're a little less easy to find. I don't think they're worth $400 on Amazon Rare. But uh, So yeah, I mean, the movie's almost completely unseen outside of the kind of people like us who like to see movies like this out. Uh, as far as one of those go... Um, I think it's a real gem. Do you guys have any uh, any other thoughts? Uh, yeah, just just my top threes. Go for it. My top three. Uh, this 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 requires a bit of explanation. Uh, Parents is one of one of the films that I used to always look at on VHS at Cashwise Video. Oh yeah. Which is a video store that was near where I lived. They had a pretty large selection of VHS horror films. In fact, including a lot of the films we talked about on Terrorvision. The Stuff is a good example of a film that I've seen that I've looked at many times and didn't watch. They had the stuff parents, at Cashwise? They had the stuff at Cashwise and Parents. I remember uh, that. But I never watched either of them uh, during my whole trial. I looked at them every time I was there, but I never watched them. So my top three is my top three films that I did rent from the horror section of Cashwise video. Do it. Number one, Silent Night, Deadly Night. That's a really bad movie. No. Punish. Number two, Return to Horror High. Well, that's good, though. That's probably going to make it come up on television sometime. Return to Horror High deserves a bit more more time. Uh, (laughs) But it is a really amazing bad movie on a few different levels. And finally, number three, and by far the worst, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The New Generation. Which you may recall is the 1994 first attempt to reboot Texas Chainsaw Massacre that featured Matthew McConaughey. Uh, Horum? Okay. Uh, well, I guess my top three got a little meta. It's it's the top three reasons that I didn't I didn't make a top three. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's clever. Yeah. Actually, the, these are legitimate. Uh, the first reason uh, was that uh, I was watching it uh, streaming, which they have everywhere for some reason. Uh, and uh, if I exited out of it to write the top three, it would have made me reload part of it. And uh, I was really engrossed in the movie, so I don't want to reload it. Uh, so that's number three. Uh, number two, my top three kept changing uh, because the movie was, was so, there were so many different parts to it that I couldn't find a really good thing to keep going through. It's like, oh, here's top three, like, uh, you know, uh, names that he called his kid, you know, because he called him Soldier and Sport. I'm like, ah, oh, it's not very good. Oh, here's top three things that deserve it. Like, oh, the whole movie is deserving. Uh, and then the number one reason uh, that I did not make a top three is because I was so engrossed uh, with, with creepy Randy Quaid and his glasses, which are like like mine and uh, and, and Brad's glasses. You have the brow line glasses. And I just kept thinking if I could be that creepy if I tried. Uh, I don't think I could. Uh, but I, I was I was I was getting a serious thought of how how well I could I could pull off something like that. Oh, uh, Brad? I did not make a top three either. Sorry. Okay. No, I got, uh, I've got my top three. It's a, it's kind of a lazy one, which was top three songs from the movie, which, cause the movie has a fantastic soundtrack. It does. Very, and during the most tense, most creepy scenes, 
it does not let up. Except for the last ten minutes, actually, which is another disappointment. But there's a scene where he says, uh, hey, soldier, get in, this, get in the foxhole. And he tells him to get in his car after he's been creeping at his dad's factory. And there's a sweet 50s pop song playing um, in his car. And the movie refuses to do ominous music ever, which makes it more creepy. Um, except for the dream sequences. So my top three are um, Memories Are Made of This by Dean Martin. Uh, number two is Meatloaf Mambo by Angelo, uh, I think it's Angelo Badalamenti, I'm getting that name wrong, and the number one is Angelo Badalamenti, Angelo Badalamenti, ah, did the music uh, for use. Twin Peaks, <gasps> what, oh shiz, um, okay, right now. yeah, so, you, just, you Twin Peaked me in the middle of this, he just Twin Peaked you in the middle of this, yeah. uh, and my number one is obviously Purple People Eater by uh, Shub Wellesley, because it plays over the ending credits with a, this like, I guess kind of Beverly Hillbilly style uh, outro, like sitcom outro where everyone's waving at the camera, which is totally incredible. So we're going to do Star Rings real quick, and then we're, then we're out. So I'm going to plunk down four and a half, and I'm only taking off the half because uh, the last ten minutes. I, up until the last ten minutes, first time I was watching, I was like, this is five stars. So I, I don't have any problems at any point. Uh, Brad? I'm going to give it a solid four stars. It was a nice, fast movie. Um, Well-executed. And, uh, yeah, totally solid. Toby. Also, Four Stars is a film unlike anything else that exists, and it's amazing. Four of them. I'll be born again, and give, uh, just like everyone else, giving it the four stars. Really enjoy it. Highly recommend it. I can't give it the full five. Uh, like you said, the ending was was not a five-star ending. And uh, the kid acting, who I mean, the kid looked really creepy, but some of his vocal deliveries, which is hard because it's a kid thing. I can't blame him too much. But it sort of, I don't know, it killed the mood for me sometimes with his delivery. He's a kid. It, it seemed like a lot of audio form was done post, too, and no one else really was. So that was a little distracting, too. Uh, I can, I mean, he's really, really young. I mean, they're really tempting fate. He's like six. But Yeah, I can't expect someone else to. I mean, it, but it's one of those things where something like that always bugs me. And that's not to dissuade from the movie, because the record is really amazing. Those are just the me justifying, not not the whole five stars. Yeah, so horror suspense fans, strange cinema fans, uh, unique eccentric cinema fans, uh, we all pretty much recommend this. And just so you all know, it is available on Hulu, not Hulu Plus, Hulu, regular Hulu right now, IMDb, and YouTube in full form and actually good resolution. And cash-wise. And, and so cash-wise. If you go to cash-wise, if you're in farm you can get what's going on VHS? Yep. Like you should. Like everyone should. Uh, I can't wait for six months to pass when all those things I just mentioned are dated and no one has any idea what I'm talking about. For me, for Brad, for Horror, for Toby, uh, we bid you a good night. Good night. A one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people It sure looks strange to me One-eyed When it came down to earth and he lit in the tree I said, Mr. Purple People Eater, don't eat me I heard him say in a voice so gruff I wouldn't eat you, girl, you're so tough. <laughs>